me the very first thing. Watch the oil. Don't spill it. And folks, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty warm in that coat. <laughs> I know it's not proper. It's a joy for me to be here this morning, and I hope for you it turns out to be. I hope you find the people that touch your life and make it special for you. <clears throat> I am much more comfortable down here because then I can roam all around and I don't feel quite so confined. Before I start, if I could have you bow your heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, please anoint my lips that I speak the words only you would want spoken. And Father, open their ears to hear the words you want them to hear. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I thought I'd start out with something that was a little bit different than what I probably normally do. It's entitled Satan's Meeting. Satan called a worldwide convention of demons. In his opening address, he said, we can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from forming an intimate relationship with their Savior. Once they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to their churches. Let them have their covered dish dinners. But steal their time. So they don't have time to de develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do, said the devil. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout their day. How shall we do this, the demons shouted. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds, he answered. Tempt them to spend, 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 and borrow, borrow, borrow. Persuade the wives to go to work for long hours and the husbands to work six or seven days each week, 10 to 12 hours a day so they can afford their empty lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children. As their families fragment, soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still, small voice. Entice them to play the radio or cassette player whenever they drive. To keep the TV, VCR, CDs, and their PCs going constantly in their homes. And see to it that every store and restaurant in the world plays non-biblical music constantly. This will jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Fill the coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with the news 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail, mail order catalogs, sweepstakes, and every kind of newsletter and promotional offering free products, services, and false hopes. Keep skinny, beautiful models on the magazines and TV so their husbands will believe that outward beauty is what's important. 
and they'll become dissatisfied with their wives. Keep the wives too tired to love their husbands at night. Give them headaches too. If they don't give their husbands the love they need, they will begin to look elsewhere. That will fragment the families quickly. Give them Santa Claus to distract them from teaching their children the real meaning of Christmas. Give them an Easter bunny so they won't talk about his resurrection and power over sin. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their recreation exhausted. Keep them too busy to go out in nature and reflect on God's creation. Send them to amusement parks, sporting events, plays, concerts, and movies instead. Keep them busy, 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 and when they meet for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so that they leave with troubled consciences. Crowd their lives with so many good causes they have no time to seek power from Jesus. Soon they will be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family for the good of the cause. It will work. It will work. It was quite a plan. The demons went eagerly to their assignments, causing Christians everywhere to get busier and more rushed, going here and there having little time for their God or their families, having no time to tell others about the power of Jesus to change lives. I guess the question is, has the devil succeeded in his schemes? You are the judge. first passage of scripture I'd like to share with you <coughs> and talk about. Joe said I'm going to talk, <laughs> so I will. Is from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. <coughs> this is a parable you all are familiar with. It's one that I will be totally honest with you, I really struggled with for a long time. Won't say I understand it all totally, but I think I have a different insight onto it. Chapter 15, verse 11, the Gospel of Luke. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to become impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Just to set the stage a little bit, Jews and hogs didn't get along. They didn't like them at all, wouldn't touch them. And he would have, this son, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. 
I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because you have received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when it, this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has, began to has begun to live and was lost and has been found. It was easy for me to understand the son who went away and squandered what wealth he had. Kind of thought the older son was a little justified where he was at. After all, I've been the one who's been here. I've been the one who's, and what have you done for me? And how many of us as Christians are exactly like that? Some of us have grown up in a church all our lives. And we don't understand how God can be so loving to somebody that has squandered everything that he's given him. And yet, we're so selfish and have our eyes on ourselves so much We can't love. It really opened my eyes when I had that little scripture say, all that I have is mine. All that is mine is yours, excuse me. All that is mine is yours. Now, I'm not the sharpest tack in the box. I freely admit that. But a God who has made all creation has all things in control and overall. He sent his son 
for us. And he sent a helpmate when his son went back to heaven and said to the disciples and to you and I, greater things than I have done you will do. And we think we got the short end of the stick because we don't get to do what we wanted to do. I know I have said it before. I've said it to many of you privately. God's not interested in making it a quartet, folks. He's happy with the Trinity. I've tried. Believe me. He doesn't listen. He knows what's best. The secret of this is forgiveness. When somebody strays from whatever it is that you're in a relationship with and comes back, can you forgive them? Can you welcome them with open hands? I'll really try not to keep her too far away from me. <laughs> Can you openly say, I love you and mean it? How often do we say what we think is the right thing? But that's not really how I feel. Wait till I get home and I'm with my wife. Well, I'll tell her how it really is. So often we forget what it is to love our fellow man. You see, we think so often things have to be exactly the way we envision it to be. We think it has to be the way I see that it should be. I'm going to share this reading with you. It's big print, so don't worry about the number of pages. I showered and shaved. I adjusted my tie. I got there and sat in a pew just in time. Bowing my head in prayer as I closed my eyes, I saw the shoe of the man next to me, touching my own. I sighed with plenty of room on either side, I thought. Why must our souls, S-O-L-E-S, touch? It bothered me, his shoe touching mine, but it didn't bother him much. A prayer began. Our father, I thought this man with the shoes has no pride. They're dusty, worn, and scratched. Even worse, there are holes in the side. Thank you for blessings, the prayer went on. The shoe man said a quiet amen. I tried to focus on the prayer, but my thoughts were on his shoes again. Aren't we supposed to look our best when we walk through that door? Well, this certainly isn't it, I thought, glancing toward the floor. Then the prayer was ended and the songs of praise began. The shoe man was certainly loud, sounding proud as he sang. His voice lifted the rafter, his hands were raised high. The Lord could surely hear the shoe man's voice from the sky. It was time for the offering when what I threw in was steep. 
I watched as as the shoe man reached into his pockets so deep. I saw what he was pulled out, what the shoe man put in. Then I heard a soft clink as when silver hits tin. The sermon really bored me to tears, and that's no lie. It was the same for the shoe man, for tears fell from his eyes. At the end of the service, as is the custom here, we must greet new visitors and show them all good cheer. But I felt moved somehow, and I wanted to meet the shoe man, so after the closing prayer, I reached over and shook his hand. He was old, his skin was dark, and his hair was truly a mess, but I thanked him for coming, for being our guest. He said, my name's Charlie. I'm glad to see you, my friend. There were tears in his eyes, but he had a large, wide grin. Let me explain, he said, wiping tears from his eyes. I've been coming here for months, and you're the first to say hi. I know that my appearance is not like all the rest, but I really do try to always look my best. I always clean and polish my shoes before my very long walk. But by the time I get here, they're dirty and dusty like chalk. My heart filled with pain, and I swallowed to hide my tears as he continued to apologize for daring to set so near. He said, when I get here, I know I must look a sight, but I thought if I could touch you, then maybe our souls might unite. I was silent for a moment, moment, knowing whatever was said would pale in comparison. I spoke from my heart, not from my head. Oh, you've touched me, I said, and taught me in part that the best of any man is what's found in his heart. The rest, I thought, this shoe man will never know, just like how thankful I really am that his dirty old shoe, shoe touched my soul, S-O-U-L. You see, it's not easy getting out of your comfort zone. It's not easy being accepting to somebody else's viewpoint, somebody else's way of doing things. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't been coming here that many years. I've been at a lot of other churches. And one I was at in particular, one of the sacred cows in it was the church basement. And there were certain ladies that did certain things down there. And that was the way it was. And don't you change it. Why do you hold so tight? to what you have that you don't open your arms to receive all the blessings Jesus has. You see, that new idea might draw you closer to somebody and open your eyes to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, I've been pretty curious. Time to lighten things up a bit. This is entitled On the Lighter Side, and it is. I don't want you to imagine me standing up there, okay? Ministers, priests, and rabbis have their own styles of preaching, 
Some are put you to sleep speakers, some are hellfire and brimstone, and some are you hang on every word speakers. It's wonderful to have the privilege to listen to any and all of them. There are so many countries in the world where Christians and Jews are currently being persecuted in record numbers. Be thankful for the freedom in America to go to a church or synagogue of one's choice. The following story is about another speaker category, the nervous new preacher. A young preacher was brand new to his church during his very first sermon to the congregation. He had a complete mental block. He'd been taught at seminary that if this ever happened, the best thing to do was to repeat his last point. He hoped this would help him remember what came next. So he said again, behold, I come quickly. It didn't help. He still drew a complete blank. Once again, he repeated it, this time with great force, hoping that would help. Instead, his, hope, his forceful method caused him to fall forward. When he fell, he knocked the pulpit sideways, tripped over a floral arrangement, and landed in the lap of the little old lady in the front row. Now, this little old lady in the front row, I told Denise when I was reading this, I said, I thought of Charlotte Cowser because she always sat up to the front, and, and I could envision Charlotte saying this response. But he fell on the lap of the little old lady in the front row. The young preacher was very embarrassed, began to apologize. The little old lady said, it wasn't your fault. I should have gotten out of the way. You told me three times that you were coming. I want to read out of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Somebody better get in this program here. You guys are going to get tired of sitting right there pretty quick. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I want to stop there and I, I, I can't help myself. Chuck can give you the exact dimensions, I don't remember. But there was a veil in the synagogue that was from the Holy of Holies to the Holy Place. Once a year at the time of atonement, the high priest went in and sought forgiveness. But nobody else went in there. I could even tell you that they used to tie a rope around his ankle in case he didn't make it because he wasn't pure and righteous so they could drag his body out. Anyway, when Jesus Christ sacrificed all on the cross, that very day, that veil was torn from top to bottom and it opened for you, for you, the chance to come before Jesus Christ and God the Father. You 
can boldly come there. You have full access. You don't have to wait for some special person to do it. Anyway, keep us moving. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling, assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Ladies and gentlemen, I've sat where you're sitting many times, and I'm not dumb. The brain absorbs what the seat can stand, so I will move this along a little faster. The assembling together. Why do you come to church? And I tried to write down a few of the ideas of why you'd come to church. And I thought, well, to get help. Maybe to get encouragement, to get entertained. Some people come to be entertained, to be blessed, filled with the Holy Spirit, educated, prayer, look good to others, fulfill an obligation, feel good about yourself, sit like a bump on a log, worship, to slow down, a time for meditation, help others, encourage others, find a purpose, pray for others. I can't answer why you come to church, but I can tell you this. First and foremost is worship God. And next, I thought about dividing the list into what was to get and what was to, get, to give. Do you come here expecting something for yourself? How many times have you left a church service? I don't want anybody to answer this, I'm sorry. This is a rhetorical question. But how many times have you left the church service and said, well, I didn't get anything out of that today. Well, I wonder whose fault it was. What attitude did you have when you came? How many times do we just want what we can get out of it? Do you realize each one of you God has gifted with a special gift no one else has. You're unique. You are so special. And your gift, your gift may be exactly what one person here needs. I know it doesn't sound possible that I am somewhat of a quiet person and not going to talk a great lot about myself, especially all the stories that I tell. But I'm not going to say a whole lot about things that are going on in my life that I'm having a, a trial with or a, a problem with. That's just in, not in my nature. If I had more time, I'd tell you a, a long story about communication with my wife. I'll try and remember that next time. Anyway, <laughs> it wasn't good. I learned a lot in a short time. Anyway, so often we think, well, I don't want to say anything to anybody. I don't want anybody else to know. 
You know what, folks? I'm sorry, it's not a news flash that nobody knows. God knows it all. There are people throughout this sanctuary that want to pray with you and are willing to pray with you. You don't have to tell them the details. God knows. Let them help you. You know, I've tried doing things on my own. It doesn't work out real well. Sometimes you need that extra special person to just lay a hand on your shoulder to be a part of your life. Why is it so hard to trust and to open yourself up? Twenty-some years ago, I had a machine shed fire. <coughs> Destroyed half my line of equipment. And I was struggling with how I was going to get everything cleaned up. Had three neighbors come in. And they basically cleaned everything for me that needed clean. And I, I just, I, it was so difficult for me to ask. And the one neighbor said, Gail, you're always the first to give. And don't you feel blessed when you give? Well, yeah. Duh. Let us feel that blessing too. And you receive. Jesus Christ has blessings for you. You have to be willing to receive them. I'm going to close with a story. Naturally. Several years ago, a preacher from out of state accepted a call to a church in Houston, Texas. Some weeks after he arrived, he had an occasion to ride the bus from his home to the downtown area. When he sat down, he discovered that the driver had accidentally given him a quarter too much change. As he considered what to do, he thought to himself, you'd better give the quarter back. It would be wrong to keep it. Then he thought, oh, forget it. It's only a quarter. Who would worry about this little amount? Anyway, the bus company gets too much fare. They will never miss it. Accept it as a gift from God and keep quiet. When his stop came, he paused momentarily at the door, and then he handed the quarter to the driver and said, Here, you gave me too much change. The driver, with a smile, replied, Aren't you the new preacher in town? Yes, he replied. Well, I've been thinking a lot lately about going somewhere to worship. I just wanted to see what you would do if I gave you too much change. I'll see you at church on Sunday. When the preacher stepped off the bus, he literally grabbed the nearest light pole, held on, and said, Oh God, I almost sold your son for a quarter. Our lives are the only Bible some people will ever read. This is a really scary example of how much people watch us as Christians and will put us to the test. Always be on guard and remember, 
you carry the name of Christ on your shoulders when you call yourself Christian. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Ladies and gentlemen, each day, each moment every day, you make choices. Choices to open yourself to Christ or to say, no, I know more than you do. You have to choose. Just remember, your choices lead to your destiny. Good habits. Love one another. If you need prayer, find any one of the elders. Find anybody around. There's so many. If you just need somebody to talk to, talk to them. Because everybody here that says they're a Christian and follows the teachings of Jesus Christ loves you unconditionally. Even though you might not, might not do things the way I do, I still love you. And I know none of you want to do things the way I do them. Love one another. This day, every day, for the rest of your life. Heavenly Father, with an attitude of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the attitude, for the willingness, for the grace, and for your love that each one of us may truly serve thee to the best of our ability. In Jesus' name, amen.